everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Wayland, And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, I really don't know how to start this because uh, this, this, is, this, is, this movie that we're going to talk about today is... Uh, it's really interesting because I, um, I had never seen it. Yes, and, this, uh, uh, yeah, this episode was my idea. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and I just want to say that I, th- like I say it at the end of every episode, but I truly think at the end of this episode, everyone needs to go and watch this movie because it's fantastic. Um, and oh, as I learned, uh, they took it off of Netflix. Oh, did they? So after I told you I found it on Netflix, yeah. I was super jazzed. Yeah, I was like, right on. And get on Netflix last night, and it's gone. I mean, I have my own copy, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, but. well, I do not have my own copy of this movie. Obviously. So I had to rent it, which, I mean, it was only $4. It wasn't a big deal. No. Nah. Um, oh, look at big money bags over here. $4 isn't a whole lot. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, because uh, we need a new couch. And uh, well, we're having to wait until Ashley gets paid. <laughs> because you rented Gold Luke last night. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really funny. Uh, I know that's not the reason, but that really makes me laugh. All right. Um, well, so so Jeremy pretty much said uh, the movie. The movie is Cool Hand Luke. Um, most people actually know this movie without knowing the title, as I've learned. I, I was talking about it today with uh, some coworkers, and I mentioned some of the parts, and they're like, oh, that's that movie? And I was like, yeah, that's, huh. that's that movie. I mean, it's a shame they don't know the title, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, and we're and, I'll, and I know I'll definitely talk about, like, those those little things that we now reference in, mm-hmm. in everything. But... Um, but yeah, so like seriously, once the episode's over, I definitely think everyone should go watch the movie. I mean, or since we're going to spoil it, how about you turn our stupid stuff off and go watch it right now and then come back. Yeah, that works too. To our stupid nonsense. Because, I mean, obviously I'm a big, big fan of this movie. That's why I wanted to do an episode on it. And um, it really, I'd, li- I'd like to start um, with your first impressions of, since this is your first time seeing yeah. it. This is like my eighth time seeing it. So you, so, you go ahead. Okay. So, so I, I'll be honest. I was not expecting it to take place in the was, was it like the forties, fifties, twenties, thirties? No, sixty-seven. No. <laughs> well, no, no. I'm not saying. No, no, no. I'm saying the movie itself takes place in sixty-seven. Yeah, it doesn't look like sixty-seven. Oh my god! Because it's rural Florida. And so rural Florida looked like they were in the fucking 30s. <laughs> They're not in the 30s, bro. <laughs> Did you not look at the cars? Did you not look at the... I was looking at the cars. Hold on. Give me a second. This is ridiculous. <laughs> we might have to cut all of this out because I've never even thought about it. I've always just thought about, oh, it's a 60s movie. Like, I'm not well, even... Hang on. Not tripping. Hang on. 1947. Take place in 1947? Yes, the movie is in 1947. We have to cut all this out because I should have known that. Yeah, I'm leaving it in. That's fine. And this. All right, so 1947. <laughs> 1947. Cool. Continue. Okay. So, okay. Ne- I can tell you this. I've never thought about it. To me, <laughs> it's timeless. I'm going to save it by saying it's timeless because I've never well, thought about it taking... I've never thought about it being a period piece. I ever in my life. Well, I definitely... Uh, I would agree with that. It definitely is timeless, especially after only watching it uh, one time. I am in love with this movie. Can I tell you, I can't believe I've never picked up on that. That it takes place in 1947. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> well, see, like... The only reason why I was picking it up because I was I was I was noticing the costumes, I was noticing the cars, I was noticing how they how they talk, um, and I was like, I'm like, this movie is 1967, but it doesn't feel like it's in 1967. I've never thought about it. Well, and they don't have a, they don't have a year card. Well, no, and, and sometimes you don't even need a year yeah, card. No. Was... <sighs> anyway, okay. Wow, so... that's really embarrassing, and I chose this movie. <laughs> And like I said, I've seen it a ton of times. It's my it's one of my best friends, Keegan Hickey. Shout out to my buddy Keegan, who uh, we actually went to high school with. Oh yeah, I um, hope he I hope he's listening. I hope he is too. Um, he said he was going to, but <laughs> it's this is his favorite movie of all time. Okay. Oh yeah. Like he knows his I movie could, in and out. I could definitely see Keegan and, loving this movie. And, and I bet it's Joel Schumacher's too. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> with the Godfather Part Three. Oh boy. Um, yeah, but no, cool. okay. So, so first impressions. Yeah, what's your first? Besides I it was being a period piece. Holy shit! <laughs> I was 
hooked the minute the the violation tag shot up. Yeah. I was like, so at first I was like, okay, are we still in? Um, are we still in the production companies? Because oh, you know, right. I saw the, saw the Warner Brothers logo. Yep. And I was like, I know that the '60s weren't known for having all these weird, you know, unnameable production companies. I was like, but maybe this one did. And then I saw it again, and I was like, what am I looking at here? Because then it, then it cut to his feet. Yeah. And then <laughs> violation. And I was like, oh. The movie's actually begun, and yep. so that immediately hooked me. Yeah, um, and uh, and kind of just I just I love Paul Newman, of course. Like, I need to see more of his movies. You do, uh, but I love his ranch uh, and his. Uh, <laughs> he mean what rain means? He doesn't mean like he goes out and hangs out at Paul Newman's like horse ranch. He means Newman's, Newman's own. own. <laughs> Well, he do he actually does have some it's honey mustard's dope. Yeah, I get it. Is, yeah. Uh, the the Italian dressing is bomb. <laughs> <laughs> now sponsored by Newman's Own Dressing, dude. If only, <laughs> dude, I would I would live off of Newman's. I don't own. know if they can be a sponsor since they're a nonprofit. But anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, and so I could tell, like I knew it was. I had a feeling from the get go. I'm like, okay, this movie's already hooking me. Yeah. Ten seconds in, yeah. I can already tell this to be a good movie. But I knew I was gonna. I knew I was in for a good movie when um, you know he's cutting the heads off the parking meters, which took me a minute. I thought he was just unscrewing them, but I was like, no, it's got to be more than just unscrewing them with that. And then I was like, oh, he's cutting the heads off. Yeah. Um, but he sits down, goes to open another beer, and the cops show up, and he still pops it anyway. I was like, ah. Paul Newman, just yeah. being Paul Newman. Um, and I, yeah, so like, so like I said, um, I knew there were a lot of references to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, like the whole box scene, you know, like, you know, any man caught with dirty pants in his bed, Simmons and I in the box. Yeah. And I'd heard that before, and I know you're going to judge me. And I'm okay with it. Uh, it was on Toy Story 3 oh. <laughs> when uh, Buzz has been brainwashed. And he's like, any toy caught outside spends a night in the box. <laughs> and then even Jesse's like, in the box. We get it. <laughs> Which is what Paul, Paul Newman, Newman does, does to, to Carr. Well, and what Carr does, his his cadence when he's going through it is uh, it, so sing-songy, right? It mm-hmm. sort of has a rhythm to it. And like he's done it a million times. He know, probably has. He's done it a million times. Yeah. Right? And I mean, he can, he knows that, you know, spiel backwards and forwards, right? Mm-hmm. And I just love the way he says it. it's the sing songy sort of cadence he, he says it uh-huh. with the rhythm. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the, you know, the Paul Newman does it in the box. And then he's like, Am I going to have any trouble out of you, boy? Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I could also see a lot of influences in, um, I don't know if you ever saw it, or I feel like I don't think we talked about it. Did you ever see uh, the Iron Orchard that Scott, my stepdad, uh, helped produce? No, I did not see that. Okay, so sorry, Scott. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. Uh, definitely a West Texas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fantastic. Um, I, I feel like people in New York don't get it, <laughs> but um, but now seeing Cool Hand Luke. The whole time I was watching it, I was seeing that there's a lot of scenes. Maybe it was unintentional, but to me, there's a lot of interactions in the Iron Orchard that were, I felt like were inspired by Cool Hand Luke. Because the first 30 minutes of the Iron Orchard, um, the main character, I don't remember his name. That's okay. Again, uh, sorry, Scott. <laughs> um, is you know he he joins a, an oil company and he's a pipe man and you know they're staying in the bunks mm-hmm. and a lot of the interactions there. Watching Cool Hand Luke, I was like, I could see that yeah. they're using Cool Hand Luke as kind of like an inspiration. Yeah, and because um, you know a lot of it happens in the majority of the movie is in the bunks. Um, I would say fifty percent of the movies in the bunks, fifty percent of the movies outside. Would you, or would you say, or would you say it's more 75% in the bunks, 25% outside? Because I know a lot of the shots outside are... 
very really, famous as really well. really thought about it by percentage of, you know, um, in the in the bunks or barracks or whatever, and then outside during the chain gang. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I've never really thought about it. But, um, but I also love that they... Um, that all the prisoners can really do is just bet on everything. So when they see the, you know, like, oh, new meat car coming up, bet you there's, you know, yeah. such and such in there. And I go, we got a bet going on. And I just, I love that. Uh, um, and I love for a movie that has very little, I wouldn't say music per se, but it does, it doesn't, no, because the score is very good, and we were talking about the score off mic. That, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, but I felt like the score kind of came when, sort of like what we were talking about with, um, I can't remember which episode, but like the score really helped drive the emotion of the scene. Yeah, but it it wasn't there when we know we needed to feel emotional, like when he's talking to his mom, which that took me a while to figure out that was his mom because he kept calling her by her first Arletta, name. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, who am I? I was like, okay, maybe is he an orphan? Or And then when I started talking about his dad, I was like, oh, it's his mom. Yeah. Um, so there, I have a lot to talk about. Um, Joe Van Fleet, who played Arletta. I have a lot to talk about that later. It, um, it wasn't she uh, only like couple years younger than I Paul Newman. Down. Uh, they are, hold on, four years apart. <laughs> and But she's famous for this. So she, um, seven years earlier in uh, Elia Kazan's Wild River, okay. uh, she was 40 years old and she played an 80-year-old woman. Oh, wow. So she was famous for playing women much older than herself. Oh, okay. Um, and so... Well, she, she rocked it. Oh, yeah. No, she's great. And, and she's great at that. Um at the sort of um, I don't I don't know how you would put it sort of the the gravitas of or the the emotion of someone much older than herself she's very good at that mm-hmm. so. yeah but uh, so some of the other first impressions I had was you know the character of Luke himself um, I noticed you know he you know they kept calling him a free spirit throughout the movie and that he didn't really you know he wasn't really going to conform to the authority. But I could also tell he wasn't going to just escape either. You know, when they're talking about, like, get a little rabbit in you, you might run away. But it wasn't until his mom died when they were like, uh, uh, we're going to take you off and we're going to put you in the box because we don't want you running away. And I could see the wheels begin to turn like, I never, I've never wanted, I just want to do my time and leave. Yeah. But now I want out because. And also around this time when his mom dies. Um, he was becoming sort of, quote, the leader of everyone, mm-hmm. right? He had already um, squashed his beef with Dragline. Yeah. And they were buddies, and people were starting to really look up to Newman because he is not... He doesn't conform. He doesn't play by the rules. He, he doesn't act like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing Luke wants, Luke doesn't want to be the leader of anybody. Right. Luke just wants to do, like he said, he just, he just wants to be, man. He just wants to be left alone. He does have a lot of trouble with authority, which mm. is alluded to when he gets to the camp. Um, the warden is reading off his stats, if you will. Yeah. Um, and he's saying that you went, a, you went in the war a private and you came out a private. What happened? You know, mm-hmm. this is like it was just passing the time. So he was highly decorated, right? They can mm-hmm. call him a war hero, highly decorated, but mm-hmm. he just can't seem to to bend to authority. He can't do it, right? Yeah, and yeah, and see, because like I felt like I could definitely see that, and, and I just felt like he it was one of those situations where you know, I just want to do my time, get out, and do whatever I want to do. He thinks of it probably just like wartime. Just passing the time. Which now that you've mentioned it, it makes a lot of sense that it would have been World War II that he would have gotten out of. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, But, Jesus, Jeremy. But just more of a situation of he he just wants to... Yeah, this is just passing the time. time. This is it. It makes sense. Yeah, Same reason why he was cutting off heads of parking meters. It's something to do. And he even (laughs) says it. It has something to do. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just... Well, because like I remember, I remember when you first told me you wanted to talk about this movie. I read the the brief little synopsis on IMDb, and it 
it described Luke as a, a laid back Southern man, Southern gentle or uh, Southern man is yeah. what they called him. And I was like, laid back, like, like okay, is he like what? What is he? Is he a drifter? Like what? And then I didn't. Then actually watching the movie is like, oh, he just, just. Yeah, it's not a good. That's not a good representation. Of no, Luke yeah, is. yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel like calling him laid back was. That's lazy writing. Yeah, yeah. Whoever wrote the synopsis, whoever whoever's writing the synopsis <laughs> for these old movies on IMDb, I hope you're listening. Fix it. Yeah. Um, I listened to the direct, not director's commentary. It was a commentary from a biographer of uh, Paul Newman's. Okay. And he kept calling Luke the existential man. Like so, an, like an everyday man. No, he's just it, he. It's like we've been describing, right? Okay. Um, troubled authority doesn't want to be the leader of anybody. He's just he's you know, he mm. just wants to be free of everything. Right. Um, and we talked about this in my philosophy class in high school, Mr. Franks. I don't know if you remember Mr. Franks. Um, <laughs> I he, had, so. he had the beard. Oh, yes, um, yes. yes, Mr. Franks. Mr. Franks, if you're listening, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm getting to use your class in a real world scenario. Isn't this fun? <laughs> um, so, actually, the first time I ever saw the movie uh, was in high school. Uh, we were seniors at the really? time. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and we watched this one. We also watched HUD, which is another Paul Newman film, which is unbelievably amazing as well. Okay. Um, for different philosophical properties. So with this one, with Cool Hand Luke, it was the the philosophy of freedom. Right. You know, are you truly free? Even if you weren't in prison, would he still be free? I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like um, Janis Joplin said, freedom is another word for nothing left to lose. Right? It means right. nothing. Right? Right. So that's really what the class or this topic was about at this time and in high school but um you know i i tend to see more of a more when you know i watch it when i'm older now that uh, not much older but older <laughs> um that he is just trying to get free of everything right and he and he just can't i feel like so now that now that you've said that i feel like that really shows in the scene of the of the retarring of the road mm-hmm. and they mm. Which I'm glad you brought that up. Which, uh, as I learned, uh, they really did that. Like the actors really did that stretch of road. They yeah. really retarded it, um, but they finished it with like plenty of time to spare. You know, and Dragline is like, "Well, what do we do now?" And uh, Luke is like, "Nothing, nothing." And he, you know, I thought it was cool that he pivots his shovel and just sits, sits on, on it. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I feel like now that you've mentioned that, like the, these, I, you know, these, um, the philosophy of freedom. Yeah. I think is really shown with that scene. Yeah. That. Um, now another part of the scene, the retarring of the road scene. Uh-huh. So the commentary had mentioned the, um, the Greek myth of, or Greek symbol of Sisyphus. Sisyphus uh, was uh, punished to roll a rock up a hill, have it roll down to the bottom, and do it again. Forever. Okay? Okay. So they were talking about how these mundane things that they have to do all day, right? Clearing roads, retarring asphalt, um, you know... I think that's all they did. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. digging, digging ditches, things like that. Yeah. So when Luke decides, let's do it fast, you know, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an idea of Sisyphus that um, not only could he have found comfort in knowing that what he was going to do the rest of his life, this is it, no more worries, mm-hmm. also could find a way to make it fun. Right. Right. And so when they try to make it a race, boom, it's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're they're actually enjoying themselves. They're um they're not thinking about what they're doing and where they are. Right. Right. They're just retarding this road. So and a lot of I see a lot of Sisyphus in drag line. No. Um, especially at the end of the church where he is just you can almost see that he's excited that they got caught, that he gets to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not only is he a leader there, and he probably wouldn't be on the outside, yeah. but he knows exactly what he's going to be doing all day. 
Mm-hmm. He he has comfort in knowing his plan, right? And and I see a lot of that with uh, with Dragline. Oh yeah, yeah. Now see, now that you've, you've really explained that, yeah, I can see it. You know, because when he runs back into the church, he's they caught up to us and he doesn't seem too concerned that no they I, caught up to he's, him he's almost a little relieved you know he he was the one who decided to jump on the truck in the first place yeah and I think he just he realized that wasn't that wasn't what he should have been doing right yeah um yeah, see and, and, and uh, again kind of speaking on the, the philosophy of freedom you know they ask to do the most mundane things you know like taking off their shirt they're getting too hot you know taking it off your boss and if they say no gotta leave the shirt on which we never saw yeah Um, it's the idea of having to ask permission for everything Mm. it is cops asserting their authority right which luke tends to bend every once in a while so um i remember (laughs) it was the lucille scene oh yeah which has been said to be one of the most sexually provocative scenes in all of cinema. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, just the way it's shot and the way it's presented. Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> to me, it felt awkward. Yeah. Not not in the sense of, like, I was just, you know, like, cringy awkward. I was more like, like, because, you know, Luke says, like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. But... Like, like how this this female actress who we never see again for the rest of the movie, no. just this one scene, and she only did a couple of things after that. Now she runs a a bakery. Oh, that's uh, awesome. That caters specifically for the film industry. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what you tell me. It's called Lucille's. It's not. I don't know what oh, it's called. That's damn. a really good question. I don't. That would be. That would be. That, that would, be, would be great. Yeah. Um, but just like how how she's acting in the scene. Yeah. To me awkward in the sense of that's not how a human acts <laughs> like you know how like when she's like like rubbing her boobs up on the window yeah. like I understand like I get the point it's supposed to be sexy she's intentionally making these prisoners excited yeah. knowing full well that they're not going to get anything no and they're not going to do anything about it yeah. so what what the scene does and it sets up the next three Okay, so it sets up um, the the shower where they're just all like, shut up, get out of my way. You know, everyone's so tensed up uh, with sexual frustration, right? Because yeah. this woman just, oh, God. Um, and then the night in the barracks where no one can get a night's sleep. Everyone's asking to get up, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, no, everyone's restless, right? And then it sets up the big boxing match between Luke and Dragline because Dragline didn't like the way he was talking about Lucille. Yeah. Right? Yeah, his, his Lucille. His Lucille. That's right. And so, and that boxing scene is so important because oh, yeah. it really shows who Luke is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's... <laughs> Luke doesn't mind losing, okay? Yeah. But he's not going to quit. Okay, yeah. so I mean, to I mean, to the extent to where prisoners are like Right. Now they're really uncomfortable. Now they're like, oh, we need to stop this. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of them are walking away. Eventually, Dragline walks away. And eventually, Luke wins by just not giving up. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, he would, in a real boxing match, he would have lost. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, even like the very last swing he gets, like he's he's about to fall again. But before he does, he gets one more swing in the Dragline. Yeah, he, he gets right? him in the face and yeah. the Dragline just... Boom, yeah. So, and it really earns the respect of everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, They know that this guy's different. Yeah, because even the whole time they're telling him, like, you need to stop. He's going to kill you. You know, have him hit you in the nose. Maybe maybe the bosses will make it stop. And he's like, nope. And then he even tells Dragline, you're going to have to kill me. That's right. Because I'm not stopping. That's right. And, uh, yeah, that, and, and for me, that was really intense. Just because of how it's filmed. Yeah. You know, it's filmed very... And this is something I wanted to talk about, too, but we can get to it later. But it's very stylized in in a way that 60s movies weren't. And, 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 and like, I really felt the, like, the tension yeah. in the scene that, you know, all these grown men in a circle are like... 
Like what? Uh-oh. Why isn't he stopping? Uh-oh. Like yeah. he's he's getting the shit beat out of him. Because at why? first it's fun, but then it's like, buddy, what are you doing? Almost gratuitous, <laughs> yeah. sort of. Yeah, and and I I could really feel the tension, and like I said, I feel like that's something that most sixties movies didn't couldn't do. Well, maybe I, I couldn't do, but I would compare it to the really good and by good I mean like Jake LaMotta was in it um, like really in it in his head scenes because it's really intimate these uh, the boxing scenes mm-hmm. in Raging Bull when Jake LaMotta was giving it his all you know um, Scorsese really gets intimate with the boxing right and I would compare it to that that it's you know we're in it you know oh, yeah. we're not seeing it from afar you know mm-hmm. we're we're up close and personal with this boxing match and it's it's fantastic and oh, again yeah. it sets up Probably for the rest, of the, it sets up the rest of the movie. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, because after that, um, you know, they after Luke's kind of healed up, you know, they gamble, yeah, and Luke wins with a cool hand, yeah, which gets him the nickname of Cool Hand Luke, yeah. Um, I uh, I sort of missed the the setup for that of how he wins. I thought someone had knocked on our door and I forgot to pause it. Oh. And by, when I turned he around... Was, um, he was bluffing. So... So his bluff was so good that... Yeah. You uh, know, sometimes you have to act like you got a cool hand. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's... And that's where the... Because he's like... It's not Luke that gets into the guy's head. It's everybody else. So by the way Luke is acting, they're like, dude, he's got the two kings, man. He's got the two kings. Fold, bro. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Luke keeps raising him. You know, Luke keeps raising him a buck every time. You know, and uh, they're like, dude, he's got he's got the two kings man fold, and the guy folds, and they're like, you want to see him here? Here the, and they look, and he's only got one, and then the rest are garbage cards that don't mean anything, and he's like, what? You know, <laughs> so you didn't have it, and uh, he's like, you know, sometimes you just need to act like you got a cool hand, and it's cool Luke. That's from then on out. That, that's that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I completely missed that because all I know is that Dragon's like, oh, he beat you with nothing. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, like, and I and I feel like that really, like, if you didn't get it at that, if you didn't get it before, then you definitely got it. Who Luke was at that point. Yeah. Um, and I I just I really want to talk about the egg scene. Okay. Because <laughs> that was probably the craziest thing I've ever seen in any of film. And, I, you know, and I've seen, you know, a lot of crazy good movies, crazy bad movies. But that was – and I know it was all edited, but – The the concept. Yeah. Know, him eating 50X. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they – and I also miss that, like when, when the bet starts, like mm-hmm. when, and then because I came in when Luke was like, "I can do it, fifty eggs in about an hour." Yeah, and Drag is like, "Dude, why couldn't you say thirty-five? You know what I mean?" Because mm-hmm. now Drag's like, "What are you doing, man?" But of course, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna support him no matter what, and saying, "Yo, man, if he says he can do it, he can do it. Let's go." Yeah, you know. But he was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" You know what I mean? Yeah, because you know, then they're then they're kind of training, trying to get his. Stomach. I really do like the training montage. Yeah, yeah, with them running around in the yard, and then Dragline's like, "All right, you got to get that, got to get your stomach tight, well, <laughs> like loose, so yeah. it can fill up with eggs." Um, but uh, I didn't know whether to laugh or to be. Because I was I was on the edge of the uh, on the edge of the couch like the whole time like like oh is is he gonna do it yeah I mean it's a lot of fun it's uh, um it's a fun scene I did laugh when like he Paul Newman you can't see Paul Newman and they're all like this and no one can see what I'm doing but they're all right. staring at something and then you see a hand come up and yeah. they put an egg in the hand egg <laughs> in his hand. Um, and then as we were talking about off mic that Paul Newman really knew how to push his stomach out yeah. to, because I, I, yeah, that scene was also very hard to watch too. Cause I was, cause you could, I could feel the, cause we, I'm sure we've all been that full where we're like, I'm probably going to throw up. Yeah. I was like, Oh, he's, he's going to throw up. Well, he's, the great part about that scene is where he is leaning over the, the sink mm-hmm. just to get a drink of water, right? And everyone's like, oh, he's going to... And then he's like, oh, okay, just a drink. Really what he's doing is he's toying with them, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to get more money out of them. And so once Drag makes a couple more bets, 
and the bets are final. He goes, oh, I'm ready. And you can see him perk up and go, oh, I guess we're going to start again. And then he's going to go back. And so that's him mm. just like conning them out of more money because, of course, he could do it. That's not that was never a, a question. Yeah. You know, um, the question is making them think he can't. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't see it like that. I was just like. Yeah. I was just like. I'm in pain. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's watching this man <laughs> eat fifty eggs. Yeah. Uh, which of course is we were talking about off mic. Uh, Paul Newman actually only ate eight eggs. Yeah. In total, but that's just the genius of that editing of of that scene. Yeah. Um. Now, one thing I really well, the only thing that really confused me about this movie was the magazine because you know okay. um, I'm kind of jumping ahead here if anyone's actually listening along this is after the second escape no I thought this was the first hang on I'm looking at my thing <laughs> looking at my notes um, no this is the first escape yes yeah. it yeah it's the first escape because the, the the second escape is he's doing the I'm shaking it boss yeah that's yeah, the second yeah, but escape. I have here. Um, that's when the magazine gets sent to him after the second escape. So was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah yep, because yep, yep, yep. the first escape, this yeah. is where we finally get to see the dogs in action. So I did write down, and this might be just me just reading too much into it, but I like doing that. Um, <laughs> it is the stage play gun theory, um, where it's like we see all these bloodhounds since the beginning of the movie. Um, which is like in a stage play, if you if you introduce a gun in in act one, it needs it to go off by act three. Okay. Right? So it's like we see these bloodhounds and we see people in leg irons. So we're we're seeing the this the idea of escape. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see it, right? So it's the payoff from the and that's you know film studies mumbo jumbo but um it is really fun to get to see you know yeah an escape that's so much fun yeah now okay so we'll get to the magazine because i have a question how did they do the dead dog oh i'll tell you exactly how they did the dead dog thanks for asking so they actually had to do a couple of scene a couple of takes because the dog would start snoring So he's asleep. They they tranked him or something. Oh, okay. Like gave him some sleeping stuff or whatever. But he would start snoring and they'd be like, cut. <laughs> we gotta wait till he stops and then we'll go. But yeah, they just put him to sleep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like he woke up, not put him to sleep that way. I mean, they gave him like sleeping pills. Yeah, okay. Or something. Yeah, because like, because I knew like, because you know, it's the 60s. We have the, you know, animals were harmed during the filming of the movie. Yeah. But I was like, wow, that's really impressive dead dog. How did they do that? I was like, because I was even like, that looks real. I'm like, I'm like, don't tell me they actually got a dead dog. It's a real dog, but it is alive. It's but asleep. It's alive. Because I'm assuming everything else in the in the movie, like the snake that the man with no eyes and the turtle that he kills, are fake. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially the turtle, I could tell was fake. I was like, oh, it's, it's a fake turtle. Yeah. But the the snake looked good though. When he when he blows the head off the yeah. snake, that was cool. Um, really good editing because you can see Paul Newman holding the real snake. Yeah. And then shoots the head off. And it's a seamless transition. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, now, the man with no eyes. Um, oh, yeah, and I wanted to bring that up, too. Yeah, I mean, we could I mean, we could talk about the man with no eyes for hours. But. Because he made me think of... Uh, I don't think he had a name. I think he was just called the devil in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah. That's who he made me think of. I've, yeah. Um, it should be the opposite. Um like the the devil or the the man with no name in uh, Oh Brother Water should make you think of. Well, I know that's you what, know I, what mean. I meant. That's what okay. I meant. Anyway, yeah. um, so the man with no eyes, he is constantly reminding the prisoners they're in jail, they're in prison. We are the guards. We are in charge. Here's how he does that because he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he has no lines. So. He has the bolt in his belt for his rifle, right? Mm-hmm. Which is genius, by the way, that he doesn't keep them together. Yeah. Right? Just on the off chance someone tries to get, you know, the idea. So, number one, it is a power play to have a prisoner go get it for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, 
He shoots at that bird the first time we see him use it, right? Yeah. He doesn't do that for any reason. He does it to prove to them, you run, you die. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, you, yeah. You take off, I shoot you. Yeah, because, you know, someone's like, why doesn't he ever talk? And then he shoots the bird. And Paul Newman's like, I think you just said he something. He just said something. And that's exactly what he's saying. Uh, he didn't need to shoot the bird. There's no reason for that. Yeah. And um, and the, so the man with no lies, that, I mean, he is there to assert the authority of the guards. Right. And he does it very well. He's very scary. And uh, if for anyone listening, the reason why he's called the man with no eyes is he wears these mirrored aviators. Again, if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to us talk about it first, don't do that. Yeah. Go go watch it and then come back. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but he's wearing mirrored aviators. And I read – I don't know the actor's name – I, I read it. I read his name, but it, I didn't. It didn't okay. I didn't store That's it. That's fine. But I read that apparently he stayed in character the entire time of filming. Like, kept mirror aviators on. Didn't say a word to anyone. Now, what was cool in the commentary? It's um, they mentioned that you don't see what he sees. You see what you think he sees. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, so when they do the the push in, yeah. So. If you see yourself in it, it's like, is he looking at me? I mean, it's like, you know, that's another superpower move, right? Where, you know, wearing the mirrored sunglasses, he could have his eyes closed for all you know. Yeah. Um, Which, um, something else I, I want to uh, briefly talk about, because I eventually want to get to the magazine. Um, when we first see the man with no eyes, we, we get a close-up push-in on the glasses. Mm-hmm. And that technique... Of seeing his reflection and well, seeing what he, seeing the reflection in the glasses made me think of like a '70s movie. So like you yeah. kind of see the 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 um, early remnants of what '70s movies, '70s yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, they do that push in. Did yeah, um, that that push zoom. You know, mm-hmm. which I'm not a huge fan of the push zoom. That one it's fine because it's cool and Luke and whatever. I don't. It, nothing no. is wrong with it. <laughs> well, me. and we kind of need those shots right. to to. Yeah. I am just always impressed by how is the camera not in the shot, right? Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in in like like pre, I have this pre CG movies, every time there's a mirror or something, and we push in on the mirror, I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, there's no. How did they? It's got to be angles or whatever. But I, it's crazy. I'm always like, like that. Must have taken forever to figure out. I had the same question with um, The Shining when Stanley Kubrick is filming. The mirror, but he's, but yeah. um, um, Jack, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall are behind the camera, but he's filming their reflection. Yeah, I'm like, how? Where's the camera? Yeah, I have no idea how they did that. Um, the, I mean, a, a way you could have done that was just have them wear shirts with backwards writing on it or something, and no, you know, actually shoot them head on. I don't know. Listen, I I don't know. That was just a, a quick thing that maybe that'll work. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so but, yeah. Anyway, so so the magazine. So the magazine. So, so second escape. Yeah. Luke escapes again, um, and they think he really gets away this time because. And why did they think that, Ray? Because Dragline, uh, who gets magazines apparently regularly from someone, but he doesn't read them. Because it's, it's implied that he doesn't know how to he read. He doesn't know how, yeah. I was about to he say. He hands things to other people to read to him. Yeah. Um, so he gets a magazine, and he's flipping through it, and then he sees the Luke in the magazine yeah. with two women next to him. Yeah. And, and then it says, like, what was the message? Like, hope you boys are doing good or something like that. Yeah. At Luke. And then a few scenes later, the door swings open, and they drop Luke back into the bunk. Oh, God. Um, killer and then he reveals that it was fake yes so my question is how did he fake it okay so I've thought this for a long time <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna have a satisfying answer for you so uh, any answer would suffice honestly. I mean he's telling the truth he had it mocked up for him like he just like went to a place and you know here's my picture slap it on this and send it to him now he was still in uniform when they brought him back and he looked dirty and he had growth on his face, meaning, you know, like his beard was growing in. So he had been gone for a while, <laughs> but his shirt, his, his shirt with his number on it looked new though. Everything else. Yeah. It looked dirty. Oh, okay. But, but so it, they just threw it on him. You I think, think so. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then that makes me feel better. So then, yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he didn't think he was going to come back. 
And so when he got back, he was so upset because he's just built up his reputation so much, so much more, mm-hmm. right? He does not want to be the leaders of these people, right? Yeah, especially when they're crowding him, like, yeah. oh, so, what about the girls, Luke? What about the girls? Yeah, and 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 I could definitely tell that it was one of those things where he's like, oh my god, like. It was fake. He does that James Dean yell where, you know, it it was fake. You know, and he's like, it was fake or whatever. Yeah. And then Um, he pushes everyone away and quit living off of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's so sick. He hates that. You know what I mean? This is not what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you feel for him because it's like, man, that really sucks. Especially with what, what happens next of, of, uh, now here's a question for you. Mm Hmm. For what happens next, genuine, or do you think he was putting them on? Um, I after after I finish the movie and read some trivia, I'll get to that. In the moment, watching the scene, I was like, "They did it. They they broke him. They broke him. Yeah, like he is. He's he's done. He he's not. He's not the defiant prisoner." Um. That he was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, and if you still haven't watched the movie, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but what they make him do is they make him dig a coffin-sized ditch. Uh, and then one of the other guards comes by because they, they tell him, what you're dirt doing in Boss Paul's yard? <laughs> I get thought you were going to say Boss Hog, which would have really made me laugh. <laughs> uh, but uh, get it out. So he starts digging the ditch. And then one of the other guards comes by. He's like, what are you doing with my dirt? Yeah. And like, put it back. And so he refills the hole. And then the same same guards who told him uh, um, to dig the ditch are like, uh, we, thought you told, we thought we told you to get the dirt out. Uh, what are you doing? And so he digs the ditch again. And then... The guard who told him to fill the hole comes back and says, I thought I told you to fill this. <laughs> and, man, that I was – that was hard for – like the whole – a lot of these scenes were hard for me to watch, not in the sense of just like it, – it the emotion was so hard to – because to, I, I felt for him. I could feel how tired he was digging this hole, mm-hmm. refilling it, digging it again while he's got two sets of uh, shackles – on his legs. Yeah. Um, well, because he's run twice now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, and uh, and then he, and then, you know, and then he does it of, of, you know, you know, please, for God's sake, don't beat me anymore, which uh, I want to get to in a second, which I know we would, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and begs the guards not to beat him anymore. And so in the moment, I uh, I was like, wow, they they did it. They they finally broke him. Yeah. And you know, and even in all the prisoners' faces, they can tell like he's broken. And uh, coincidentally, loses the respect of pretty much everyone he knows up to that point in yeah. a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. Um. And but uh, reading trivia, and then in the next scene, I realized like, oh. He was uh, he was messing with them, because um, you know so he's acting like the model prisoner, you know they're like you know Luke, you know go do that yes boss yep <laughs> yes boss you know and then when uh, when the man with no eyes shoots the snapping turtle they're like you know go cut that up for our lunch and he's like yes boss and he runs to the truck just steals it and I was like takes oh. off yeah okay and then you know that's when Dragline jumps on. Yeah, and then it's the final escape, and they go to the church, and blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> we'll get to the blah, blah, blah in a minute. But um, let's talk about, uh, since you brought it up, uh, let's talk about the Christian imagery yes. uh, throughout the film. Now, uh, many, I mean, it's debated whether or not Luke is supposed to be sort of a Christ allegory. Um, I I think he might. Okay. I feel like it's imp- I feel like it's... Not necessarily heavily implied, but it is is very implied because you know the prisoners definitely idealize him, mm-hmm. and um, you know they they think he's as you're saying you know he is this guy's really different, you know, uh, 
And so when he's broken, you know, and they all turn his back on him, it's like when, you know, um, I don't remember which disciple, uh, you know, turns their back on Jesus when they when he re- when they think that Jesus is just a man, you know, and I, and I, f- I could really see that, which coincidentally is almost ironic because the character of Luke doesn't believe in God no. or doesn't believe in the idea of God, right? Uh, yeah, something around, yeah, something, like that. something around that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I I definitely picked up on it in the egg eating scene, right, where he is when he, a, in the crucifix position mm, on the table. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's uh, he's he's uh, he, he's doing young Jeezy right there. Yeah, uh, yikes. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's also some Christian imagery with um, like you said the the magazine when they put it back together uh, when they tape it back together oh, yeah. there's a, there's the a cross the... at the end right there's there's a you know a cross where the it had been torn, torn mm-hmm. apart yeah and we when we pull back in that final shot um, the crossroads also makes a uh, uh, a crucifix as well or mm-hmm. a cross as well so I mean the the movie is littered with Christian imagery and you know I don't it's hard to say because I can I can see both sides I can see yes maybe he is a Christ allegory but then maybe it's like maybe it's a coincidence I don't know yeah um, it was the 60s yeah so. it's 67 yeah but it <laughs> takes place in 47 and I know that <laughs> that really bothers me that I didn't I've never picked that up I can't believe anyway we're not gonna talk about it anymore. um okay um, more Christian imagery. Where does Luke end up at the very end of the movie? He ends up at a church. At a church. And he's yelling at God. and you know, pretty Which, much. not the first time he's yelled at God in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, when it starts raining when and they start. had to pack it up. Yep. And, and you know, Dragline's like, aren't, aren't you scared? Scared of what? Of death. I'm like, no, death doesn't scare me. And then pretty much, you know, tells God to, to smite him. Yeah. Essentially, in front of everyone, yeah. and doesn't do it. Now, um, some really cool imagery in that scene is everyone is locked up in some sort of car or van truck, mm-hmm. except for Luke. Yeah. So he, at that instance, is the only free man right there. Um, oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So lots of really cool imagery going on in that scene um, and him shouting at God. Yeah. It's almost kind of almost foreshadowing his his final com- uh, conversation with God. Yeah. When he's telling him how, you know, like these these are the cards you dealt me. Like, I know I'm an evil man, but you haven't really done anything for me. And now that you've said that, it kind of makes me think like, well, he was almost kind of giving you an opportunity right there. Mm-hmm. You're the only one who wasn't in a car. Yeah, he's he he at that instant was a free man. But um but yeah, and it's um oh I'm trying to remember what year it came out. Can you look up what year Night of the Living Dead came out? Oh god. Was it sixty eight? <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, nineteen sixty eight. So okay, cool. a year so, later. A year later. So it's very the ending to Night of the Living Dead is very reminiscent to the ending of Cool Hand Luke um, in its in its final act. So spoilers for Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So at the end of Night of the Living Dead, we have our hero. Mm-hmm. He has defeated the zombies and it is now morning and uh, he's looking at his window um, or the window I don't it was not his house I don't think uh, looking at the window to see what's going on the police see him and they shoot him right oh. no questions asked like boom done so not only does it have a lot to say about the racial tension in 1968 obviously because mm-hmm. he was an African American gentleman um but it also has a lot of reminiscence to the ending of Cool Hand Luke, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, he <laughs> sarcastically quotes back that line to the warden. What we have here is a failure to communicate. He didn't quite get to the eight. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, before the man with no eyes uh, shoots him in the throat. Yeah. Now. 
they... I don't know how the movie would have been if they had left it with Newman dying in the church or out front. Um, they leave it ambiguous, right? Mm-hmm. They, they take him off where? Yeah, because it's implied that he doesn't make it because... Good, because he's not supposed to, right? Because, yeah, because the, the hospital they take him to is an hour away. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of... The warden kind of confirming, like... I don't want him to survive. Yeah. He's run away twice. Yeah. Told him if he runs away again, we're going to kill him. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely heavily implied. That yeah. Warner Brothers said, are you out of your minds? <laughs> you can't have him dying in the mud. He's Paul Newman. You yeah. Know? I'm sure Paul Newman was like, if that's what you need me to do. And I'll- he was. And he didn't want, like, he goes, when, when they were writing the part and they had, you know, they were like, hey, you know, we're thinking about you for this movie. He goes... Don't write it for me. Write whatever you want and I'll do it. Really? But I don't want my, you know, my mannerisms, my character to influence this movie. I want you to do... So, so, so yeah. It, it was, oh, okay. So, there's a lot of stuff that goes against his type in the movie. Obviously, he's still the best looking person yeah. in Hollywood, right? Um, but this character is different, right? We see it in HUD as well. Okay. Um, even though HUD is, eh, it's a little more his, you know. <laughs> um, but this one is off type for sure. Um, and he was like, "Now, man, I don't, I don't want you to write this for me. I want you to write it, and I'll do it." Okay. You know what I mean, I want to, I want to show my range. I can, I can do it. I know I can. Just, you know, let me do it. And they're like, "Okay, okay, okay." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, you know, the film ends with dragline. And because it finally made it, the the chain gang had made it to the church. Yeah. Um, and Dragline's telling him about. I believe we see the church too in the background during the first escape, where he uh, comes across those two boys. Um, I believe the church is in the background of that. I think so too. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's just, they, he comes across him in the second escape because that's when he uses the the, the, the curry oh. and the spice to throw off the dogs. Yep, you're right. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, but you know, he's telling the other, you know, the other prisoners like, you know, there he, you know, he was just smiling with that Luke smile. Yep. And then we get the, the and mon- it's that Paul Newman smile. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. <sighs> It was such a good movie, man. Like, yeah, I'm really glad you liked it. It's uh, it's great. Let's um, I want to briefly talk about. I want to briefly <laughs> talk about um the awesome character actors that are in this movie. One of them being my favorite, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, oh yeah, which we talked about in uh, the Godfather episode, didn't we? Yes, because he was in part two. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. He was the FBI agent. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like. Oh, hey, it's that guy. It's like, Jeremy loves that guy. I do love that guy. Um, he's fantastic. We do get to hear a little bit of his um, I will, guitar playing and his singing. I will say, he's a fantastic singer. Yeah, I, I have a... Um, Did you say he was coming out with an album? I have his album. Um, not coming out with an album. Unfortunately, he's passed away. May he rest in peace. But uh, I do have his album, Partly Fiction. Um that's fantastic. He just plays old American folk songs, and they're great. And he was, like, in his 70s when he did it, so it's really good. Oh, wow. It's got, you know, it's I really like older Johnny Cash for this reason. You know, it brings mm. a lot of emotion and a lot of weight to the songs because of his age and his – anyway. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like um – I mean, it's kind of not like, but this is the this is the other example I can do to uh, you know add to the conversation. It's kind of like um, young Elton John versus older Elton John. Like you can tell his his voice is aged. Yeah. But the 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 but the, it's almost like emotion has yeah. added to his voice now. Yeah. Just wanted to add. Yeah, that. that's fine. <laughs> um, so Harry Dean Stanton, number okay. one. Uh, I would say Dennis Hopper, number two. Which we talked about it off mic. Yeah, he's Bob I knew he was in the movie, and I loved Dennis Hopper yeah. so much. Yeah, he's right. And I couldn't find him because I didn't, I didn't take into account that he wasn't going to look the way I know he looks. Right, he's going to look like he's 15 years old, and yeah. he does look like he's 15 years old. Yeah. Um, 
And he doesn't actually have any actual speaking lines. He just makes sounds. <laughs> I don't the whole think movie. he does have speaking lines. I, I don't. Does he him pray talking. though at one point? Yeah, but you don't hear it. But because it wasn't he doing like he does the the, the praying here's like the church, this. Here's the people. Here's yeah, the steeple. Yeah, open he, the open the doors. There's all the people. He does that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but he you can't hear what he's saying, right? He's uh-huh, okay. muttering to himself. Um, we also have Wayne Rogers from Mash. Oh, uh, is also okay. in the movie. Um, I'm a big fan of mash so yeah uh, seeing Wayne, i mean i love wayne rogers so uh, any chance to throw a mash reference in all day um who 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 was the guy who played uh dragon line uh, george kennedy didn't did he get an academy award for the movie he got an academy award nomination for sure i'm not sure if he won or not let's look um yeah because uh someone was telling me because uh, i think uh, i think even uh, paul newman was uh, nominated right yeah, he was. Yeah, Paul Newman was nominated for. Um, yes, George Kennedy did win an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, and Paul Newman didn't win for Best Actor. What is this no. bullshit? Let's see. Sixty-seven was a good year though, because that year was the Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh shit! So I mean, yeah, I so, know. So Paul Newman was going up against fucking Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty. Oh god! I would have given it to him. Anyway, but, you know, I wasn't a part of the Academy in 1967, nor am I a part of the Academy, Academy now. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I guess I feel like... Uh, now, 67 was a good year for uh, for the Academy Awards, so they yeah. had a lot to work with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I haven't, you know, sidebar, I, I feel like this year is not going to be... I haven't seen anything that's Academy Award worthy this year yet I mean like Rocket Man was fantastic yeah uh, I definitely think Taron needs some recognition for for what he did yeah um I know you're gonna judge me again we kind of talked about it off mic uh, Toy Story also oh deserves a lot of recognition I'm not gonna see it so it is so good Jeremy I'm not gonna see it uh, you're gonna make fun of me but I'm not ashamed to admit it I cried no, it's uh, fine. Like a little, like a little baby bitch. You, you know what? I'm saying I'm not going to see the stupid movie because they should have ended it with the third one. And I don't, I don't even want to want to have this conversation right now. No, right? They, they, but they, they. Anyway, back to Cool Hand Luke. I, I, I will break you off mic okay, afterwards. Um, <laughs> but no, like it was, like I'm. This might make me sound kind of uncultured I guess but I'm always very we'll hesitant uh, with certain movies past I would say the 70s that does make you sound uncultured yeah yeah You're because right. you know in the 70s you know <laughs> as you know my love for Star Wars we had Star Wars 73 73 77 oh fuck okay. oh my god I just alienated everyone especially after last week's episode about Star Wars that's true um I didn't listen to it because I'm not on it but uh <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't listen to my stuff either. Um, but anyway, but you know, Star Wars in the '70s. You know, the first God, first and second Godfather in the '70s. Um, 72, 74. Um, just you know, a lot of a lot of good movies. But anything past that, I'm very, like I said, hesitant is the only word I can think of. But I think it's because it's hard for me to relate to anything that. Then in that case, I'm going to change my mind on my next episode, and I'm going to do something that you're that you don't think you'd like, but you would end up really liking, like this. Um, yeah. Or maybe I'll do another Keegan Hickey favorite, uh, which is the Sunset Limited. Um, ooh, that'd be good. Keegan Keegan just got so excited if he's listening to this because first off, Keegan, I hope we did okay. I hope I did okay. I know. Well, you, I don't know. I think he's gonna judge you for not knowing. Oh, what for time. sure. That's, for sure. I'm gonna text him like as soon as we're done. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I thought it was anyway. And he's gonna be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, of course, of course, it's 1947. You idiot. I was like, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are um, we are not speaking until you know this for sure. <laughs> uh, and I would, ugh, I'd understand anyway. Uh, so embarrassed. But um, another Keegan Higgy favorite is the Sunset Limited, which is unbelievably great. So well, um, we may do that next. Um, I, uh, well, I'm gonna throw this at you too, because someone also uh, Ashley's Meemaw asked me this. Um, 
And I genuinely want to see this movie because I love Jack Nicholson because mm-hmm. the man is a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she asked me, when are we going to do One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh, we can do that. I love that movie. Um, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I want to talk about it because I want to see it. And I, f- I feel like the, the podcast gives me an excuse to watch movies. It's one of the movies on my – one of the posters on my wall at work. Oh, yeah. That's right. It is. It is One Flew Over, yeah. Um, I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I, I know what happens, but I haven't retained any of the information. One of the first movies to win the big five. Um, and best picture, best actor. Actress, screenplay, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, well, and I also Director know – and picture. I, I also know the, the voice of Chucky is in that movie. Uh, um, um, he was also in Lord of the Rings, which I know you haven't really. I like Lord of the Rings. Oh, you have? Yeah. He was uh, he the was first the, three. He was uh, what's his tits? Um, right. Also, uh, Christopher Lloyd is in it. So. Holy shit! That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is gonna bother me. I, I know his name. Um, yeah, Brad Dourif. 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 Whatever his name is, uh-huh. he voices Chucky. He's gotcha. also in it. I knew he was in it too, with uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. It's um, sidebar. I know. You know. I mean, welcome back to the one floor of the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> which may be my next episode. I don't know. We haven't um, done. Weren't they going to do something with the character of Nur- Nurse Ratchet recently? Like they were going to do a show all about her? I don't know. That would drive me crazy because she is one of the most hated characters in all oh, of cinema. Really? So I mean, it, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I. I've I've seen a video of her like, and don't they try to kill her at one point in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Listen, <laughs> not gonna give anything away, but I, all I'm saying is, if there is gonna be a Nurse Ratchet show, I'm not watching it, okay? Because that would make me so angry because she is infuriating throughout the whole movie, right? Um, um, another another character, by the way, similar to Cool Hey Luke, where you know he's just doing stuff best done. Uh, it is. It, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's gonna be on Netflix. Yeah. It's called Ratched, Ratched, uh, and it's gonna have Sarah Paulson as Nurse Ratched. I mean, she'll be great at it. I'm just saying, you know, uh, it's described as an origin story yeah. in 1947, which will follow Ratched's journey and evolution from nurse to full fledged monster. Uh, the series will track her murderous progression through the mental health care system. What is shit no one's ever fucking cared about for 500 Alex that sounds dumb and I don't want to say wait who cares uh, not everybody needs a backstory I said that when the first male efficient came out Maleficent sorry uh, Malef- <laughs> said it on purpose alright that's how I can spell it out anyway male efficient male efficient that's, uh, that's how you say it phonetically um, oh that's awesome no when the first Maleficent came out I was like not everybody needs a backstory, okay? Sometimes people are just evil. Who cares? You know? Uh, well, you know, the sec- sequel's coming out. I know. You know Mistress of Evil. Oh, boy. So dumb. Oh, uh, God. But, but you don't feel that way about Joker. That's true, because I love the character so much, and I love... Walking Phoenix? Walking Phoenix, yes. And, and Todd, Todd Phillips, Phillips yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> well, I mean... <sighs> that's different. I'm saying... <laughs> You know, I would have said this. If someone had told me, hey, Jeremy, uh, would it be okay if Ron Howard made a Han Solo Origins movie? I'd be like, no, that's stupid. Well, but did you know it was actually supposed to, it was actually Phil Lord and Chris Miller doing it? Okay, whatever. Either way, they would have said, Jeremy, <laughs> is it okay if we do this? I'd be like, no, that's stupid. Not everything needs an explanation. They'd be like, you know what, Jeremy? You're right. We're not going to do it. And people would be so much happier. Uh, but, but at the same time, uh, it's like, well, we're Disney. We're going to do whatever we want. I know. But at least they're taking a break after the next Star Wars. They're going to, I've heard they're taking a break from Star Wars for a while. Well, yeah. Which is nice. Because the, the uh, this, I don't know how to pronounce their name. I just know their nickname. Uh, the D&D, the writers and producers of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. are currently working on their trilogy. Ryan Johnson uh, is about to start working on his trilogy after his new movie, Knives Out, comes out, which looks a one. Uh, you know, I hope it's written better than that Star Wars movie was. Dude, Knives Out looks so good. It does look good. I, I'm I'm a fan of Ryan Johnson. Uh, I'm just not a fan of his Star Wars. Movie. And I love that they're marketing it as a who done it. Yeah, I fucking love that term so much. And the cast is great. You love who done it? Chris Evans, Michael Daniel, Shannon, Daniel Craig, Michael. When Shannon. When I saw Michael Shannon, I was like, I love him. Lakeith Stanford, uh, Tony Collette. Uh, I love Lakeith. Um, oh shit, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I know. great cast. It's gonna be great. 
I'm really excited uh, about it. Welcome yeah, back af- to the Knives Out podcast. But after after that comes out, then he's going to start working on his trilogy. Trilogy for what? Uh, supposedly Knights of the Old Republic. I don't know what that means. Uh, well, it's because you don't un- you don't know the extended universe of Star Wars. Oh, it's Star Wars. Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> Disney gave... <laughs> because Disney was so happy. Disney I'm, I'm was sorry. actually happy with what he did with The Last Jedi. I can't believe that. That they were like, you're going to get your own trilogy. Ugh. Um but his is supposed to be Knights oh, of the Old. No. That means he's gonna be stuck doing that forever and he's not gonna make original content. That sucks. <laughs> um But see, cause you know the, 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 the final one that's coming out is gonna wrap up with this Skywalker saga. No one can see me air quoting. Uh but then the trilogies are gonna happen outside of that storyline. We could start filming this podcast and then we could start making faces. Start nodding to each other instead I've, of saying, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've uh, I've half contemplated that. Oh, boy. But, well, uh, <laughs> sorry. after we've rambled for like five minutes. Sorry, Keegan. Hey, I'm going to try to, <laughs> if you're listening, I'm going to try to do a Sunset Limited episode. I'll tell you about it if we do it, okay? I'm, I'm going to send this to him. I Once once I have it edited before I, uh, actually, once it, as soon as it's posted, I'm going to send it to him and be like, hey, um, you should you should be expecting a text from Jeremy pretty oh soon. Oh my god, it's so terrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed, and we hope that you actually did pause the podcast and go watch the movie if you hadn't seen it. If uh, you have seen it, I hope we did it justice. But um, best uh, two hours and five minutes of my life. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really fantastic. Cool. Um, and we uh, hope. You- we hope, Aliyah. I mean, I hope. I don't know about Jeremy uh, that you will come back next week. I do hope that you come back. When am I going to be on next week? I don't know. Oh, uh, then if I, I haven't decided, who cares? I just hope you come back for my next episode, <laughs> which whatever that'll be. All right, everyone. <laughs>